Please be seated. I've got a guy. He knows a guy who's the brother of a guy who is the number two in his band. He can get us to the big guy, the one they call rabbi. Front row seats, maybe even backstage passes. These Greeks, some Greeks, coming from the West near the end of the story with the wisdom and cleverness of their philosophy, just as the three wise seers from the East with their astronomy came at his birth. These Greeks were curious, maybe curious believers or maybe curious travelers, caught up in the frenzy of Passover this year in Jerusalem. They had likely heard of his much-heralded entry through the eastern gate to the city just a few days ago. They certainly had heard the stories of the signs and wonders, thousands fed, people cured, abilities where there had been disabilities, trespasses forgiven. They may have heard about his teaching as his speaking tour is in town this week. And then, of course, just down the road in Bethany, the raising of his friend Lazarus from the tomb of the death. Everyone is talking. In fact, the verse before our reading says it all. The whole world has run after him. So our Greek fellow travelers push forward. They find Philip, their guy, the only disciple with a Greek name, and they say, Sir, we would see Jesus. It's what we say every time we come here and bow, every morning as we watch for the dawn, every evening as our eyes behold the vesper light, every time we offer a cup of water or kindness. Sir, we would see Jesus. There's a pious tradition that many pulpits have this verse on a plaque for the preachers to remember their assignments and perhaps, too, to raise their already high anxiety to a fever pitch. I have new insight into that this evening. <laughs> Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip gets to Andrew, the first called in John's Gospel, then together they tell Jesus about the Greek visitors and their request. Now it's showtime. But the curtain rises not on the flash of miracles. The time for them has ended, save for the high priest's servants here. Seemingly, without acknowledging them, Jesus launches into his valedictory monologue, the one he has been rehearsing all his life. And even then, as if it cannot be held back, another sign is given. The voice from the sky echoes for the third time after his baptism and transfiguration, thunderous, perhaps angelic. Father, glorify your name. You called me from my mother's womb. On you I have depended from birth from my mother's womb, for you are my strength. And she treasured all these things in her heart.
Philip had heard something like this in the answer to his question given just a few passages ago. Whoever has seen me, Philip, has seen the Father. The hour has come. There were many times these last three years when the hour had not yet come. Woman, what would you have me do? With the arrival of the Greeks, the servant song of Second Isaiah comes true. It is too little for you to be my servant to raise up and restore Israel. You will be a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is why the Master said we must go up to Jerusalem against all caution. The hour had come. The world was here. Perhaps literally. Historians tell us that there may have been a quarter of a million people in Jerusalem for the festival. And almost that many lambs wandering the streets as observant Jews kept their Passover lambs for three days before the feast. Behold the Lamb of God. Paul says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews who demand signs and an absurdity to the Greeks who look for wisdom. But to those who are called, Jews and Greeks alike, we preach Christ, the power and wisdom of God. Folly? God's folly is wiser than men, and God's weakness more powerful. But I get ahead of my story by explaining the meaning of the grain of wheat. We spring gardeners who start our seeds in pots inside understand that the grain seed is buried in the earth, dies, and produces much fruit as life is born again. The one who hates his life in this world preserves it to life eternal. If you would serve me, follow me. It's easy to miss the service in Isaiah's servant, a hands-on waiting table kind of service, as we concentrate on the suffering this holy week, hearing these familiar sounds, songs repeated. My soul is troubled. My heart is heavy. Should I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this I was born. For this I became word incarnate. And your own heart a, soul, a sword shall pierce. Father, glorify your name. I have, son, and I will again. The stage directions are helpful clues for us to pay attention. That voice was for our sake. And I, once I am lifted up, will draw all to myself. That statement indicated the sort of death he had to die. A bitter pun. One lifted up naked, circumcised on a cross as the ultimate humiliation of political and, re and religious capital punishment. The other glorified, carried as a hero on shoulders, exalted, the exaltation of the Holy Cross. 
When kings see you, they shall stand. Princes will prostrate, because our faithful God has chosen you. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness grasped it not. The light is among you only a little longer. Walk in light, lest darkness overcome you, children of the light. The modern psalmist, Mary Oliver, captures this. All kindness begins with the sown seed. Thought buds toward radiance. The gospel of light is the crossroads of indolence or action. Be ignited or be gone. And we, the nothing, the absurd, the weak, the simple, sing with David, this David not the lad of the slingshot, but the old man to whom people bring his robe. Sing a psalm I love and read at both my parents' funerals, that the Son of Man, the Promised One, as Paul echoes, is our wisdom, our rock, our justice, our stronghold when our strength fails, our sanctification, our redemption, our atonement. Whatever mystery Christ's atonement has in the complexity of our theology, there is no mystery about his love, his love in dying for us. His ways are ways of love. His thoughts are thoughts of mercy. In the tender mercy of our God. Sir, we would see Jesus, and our Greeks did see him and heard his last public teaching in the Garden of Olives looking over Jerusalem. There would be conversations, but his next public statement would be as he ascends the pulpit on Calvary. The hour has come. Keep faith in the light. I will always hope and praise you evermore and more. Meanwhile, across town in the secret corridors of the religious establishment, the powers that be, threatened by him, his works and celebrity, are plotting his end, just as they did at his birth, slaughtering the innocents. Only this time they are more targeted. One man should die for all. They too have a guy, Judas. The bitter scent of Mary's costly perfume still burning, the pieces of silver in his purse, the blood on his hands, not theirs. My friends, that's the good news on this Tuesday in Holy Week. Have a good Friday.